Welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in this Simply Happy Conversation, I'm talking with Beth, a meditation teacher for Geelong Meditation Centre. Beth shares her journey from a primary school teacher to meditation teacher. We also discuss the benefits of meditation, how to implement a meditation when you're just starting out, and ways to be kinder to yourself and develop self-compassion. This interview is a video recording that you can also watch on YouTube. Let's jump into this Simply Happy guest conversation. So today on Simply Happy Conversations, I have Beth from Geelong Meditation Centre. She is a meditation teacher and is here to help us create meditation in an easy way so everyone can access it. So welcome, Beth. Hello. Thanks for having me, Narelle. Oh, it's so lovely to have you and be able to share your wisdom today. Maybe let's start with what you like to do in your free time. Yeah, it's funny that question because I feel so fortunate to have a job that I love now. (laughs) (laughs) That free time, you know, my my life doesn't feel like I'm squeezing in free time anymore, um, whereas it used to. But I do like to, outside of work and family, um, I love to play the piano and I'm a bit of a secret songwriter. (laughs) Oh, wow. And when I say secret, really secret, like it's just in my house. Yeah. Um, and I have a friend that sometimes comes and has a jam with me. Um, oh. But that's, yeah, one of my the joys of my free time that I get to do that. Oh, that's beautiful. Would you do it at least once a week? Oh, I'd, yeah, I do it most day. days, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Even if it's just for a few minutes, just to have a little bit of a sing and and a tinkle on the piano but it's all a bit sort of freestyly and yeah I just I've I've realized it in a sense it was like one of my first ways of meditating it was a kind of way to tune into my inner life and my emotions and feelings and yeah a way of expressing myself so it's still with me now (laughs) that's beautiful what about your children do they tinker on the piano as well um, my daughter is having piano lessons and she does. And when she was little and we were home a lot, we'd make cup songs together. So that was okay. pretty cute. Oh, cute. Um, my son is learning guitar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's my daughter. She's learning guitar as well. Yeah, it's funny great. hearing her down in the room, having a little bit of a strum now and then, not as often as you'd maybe expect when, but you know, it's just now and then it's, it's like not every day. It's just, um, random times when she'll pick it up and quietly be up there playing it, which is so lovely to hear. Yeah. Such a beautiful thing to have in your life um, as a, as a calming and a meditation practice, isn't it? Music. It's so yeah. Calming for our nervous system. Yeah, it is. It really is. So then tell us about how you became a meditation teacher and where you came from before, before meditation. Well, I've had a bit of a varied career, Narelle. Um, I, Originally, I did a drama degree, which is something people don't know, many people know about me. Um, And then I sort of stumbled into working in a new TV company and 
it ran out of money and then I ended up traveling. And um, after kind of toing and froing through various jobs, I ended up working at an orphanage, uh, volunteering at an orphanage in Bulgaria. Um, and I loved working with the kids. And what I realized was, oh, well, if I want to work with people, uh, at that time it was more about working with young people, teaching would be a good profession to get into. So I, I trained as a primary school teacher and did that for a while. Um, at the same time, though, I experienced a, a couple of miscarriages in a row and I really struggled um, emotionally. I was really struggling and I was looking for ways to cope with the grief of that as well as being a new teacher with a really difficult class this is in inner city London so I had oh, wow. <laughs> you know over 30 kids in that classroom and it was pretty intense and I know you've been a teacher so you will understand the and in London of as teaching. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I actually one of the parents of the children had uh, she was a psychologist and she shared with me a book uh, about meditation for children um, and I started using these techniques with the kids in the classroom and obviously myself as, gui as, as I was guiding them and realized that it really did make a difference just and some of this was quite playful uh, doing kind of Kim's game you know the Kim's mm, game yes. memory game yep. things like that that just help them focus uh, so it's more about focus and then guided relaxation and just found that it helped to rebalance the energy in the room and also mm. helped me as a teacher um, and at the same time I I, I kind of rediscovered yoga and obviously as you know there are meditative um, aspects of yoga so it's kind of where it my practice really got kick-started um, a little bit later on we moved over to Australia and I had tiny children and um, I found found myself reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle a very well-known book, book yeah. um, And it inspired me to just do a little bit more training in meditation. So I did a course with Melbourne Meditation Center, um, obviously based in Melbourne. And it was such a beautiful, open, anything goes, make your practice your own approach to meditation. So different from some of the other things that I'd listened to and read, that it, re it really worked for me. I just loved it. And then one night I was meditating and I I had this kind of uh, epiphany, I guess, or a, a voice that just told me that I needed to teach it because I realized how much it had helped me over the years and particularly this approach, which was really aligning to my temperament and my mm. needs and my creative spirit. Um, so then I trained with Matthew Young at Melbourne Meditation Center. And he very generously offered for me, and we, we then moved to Geelong, and he offered for me to take on some courses for his business down here. Um, and then over time, it sort of just became my business, Geelong Meditation Centre. Um, and having that affiliation with Melbourne Meditation Centre has been so wonderful. Um, I've learned so much from Matt and um Yeah, and it's been, this is my sixth year here running wow. meditation. Yeah, And that's actually how I found you um, when I did one of my yoga teacher trainings. I said, oh, I'd really like to do a little bit more meditation. 
and someone recommended Melbourne Meditation Centre and then that's how I actually found you in Geelong. So, um, yeah, so it does work, that affiliation with them is, yeah, that connection. So then share with us, which, which, actually, which one do you prefer working with then, adults or children? Oh, adults. It's uh, ad- yeah. it's funny, you know, you kind of, I say you, I mean me. I, <laughs> I had an idea of how I could sort of transition into a different a- aspect of my work. So teaching meditation, but I assumed that it would be with children because that was all I, I'd known yeah. as a teacher. Um, but then as Matt offered me this work, it was with adults. And although I was a little anxious about that, I I now love, I just love it. I'm not sure I could work with kids again. Back in the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) But to be honest, like I I know when I do work in the classroom and the way that schools are structured now, there is that mindfulness before when they come in. It might be a meditation, it might be a guided meditation, it might be just music that they're sitting or colouring. But having that, I actually really enjoy that as a way of calming myself before you even move into teaching. Not that I teach that often anymore, but when I do go into the classroom, I think it's a great thing that they've incorporated into classes, whereas you were probably before your time of um, having that in your classroom before it's become sort of cool and the thing to do here in Australia now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just doing it out of necessity really, yeah. but but you're right that that transition time is so important and for adults too. So mm. hopefully kids that are accessing this at this stage, it will just become second nature. Oh, definitely. Give yeah. themselves that time to shift from one thing to another. For sure. I think Smiling Minds has had a massive influence on that here in Australia, which is a, yeah. a great thing for our kids to grow up with it rather than be introduced to it later in life as a strategy. They'll just it's just naturally something they'll be, you know, able to do. So tell us then the benefits of meditation. Gosh, there's so there's many. So many. <laughs> there's so many. Um well, well, what, is, what have been the benefits for you? What were the benefits for you at the start? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's yeah. another way of thinking about it. Um, I think for me, the main thing, which is probably not often talked about actually, is self-awareness. So I developed much greater self-awareness around particularly emotions. So as emotions arise, I, being able to tolerate them, sort of see more clearly what's happening. Um, we generally are going around in sort of autopilot mode. So we're not fully focused on what's happening. And we live in a bit of a story of our lives, you know, the narration of the day, what we need to do, what we need to get, what needs um, what needs changing, what needs, you know, what's missing, what's broken. We kind of live in that way of thinking. And what meditation helps us do is see a little bit more clearly that there's a lot more than just our thinking. Mm. And in fact, a lot of our thinking is driven by our nervous system, a, a, a fight and flight type of response um, that can help us get through a busy day, but can also mean that we get derailed by difficult emotions, things throw, get thrown in, and we're not really clear on what we're, I was going to say responding to, but usually reacting to. Mm. Um, so meditation helps us kind of see everything a little bit more clearly. Uh, so that then when we are triggered, we're able to notice that that's a physical thing and mm. that we can begin to calm the body. And then we can address the thinking and see if, you know, what really needs to be done or what might be helpful. So it can really help 
develop a more uh, skillful way of working with difficult thoughts and difficult emotions. And I'd say for me, that's certainly been life-changing. Um, and for most of my students, I mean, most people come in wanting to feel more calm and more mm -hmm. relaxed, but that actually is a result of being more aware, um, a result of being able to feel the body more. Uh, yeah, and tune into how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. And so do you find that there's a particular type of person that is attracted to coming in and starting medit a meditation practice with you? You'd think there would be, but um, really no. Uh, I've been amazed by the diversity of the groups that I teach. Um, I've had teenagers through to, you know, men in their 80s, mm. uh, it's it's fascinating and um you know different genders different ages and you know people at retirement age kind of looking for meaning and joy uh, through to people just not being able to sleep properly people who are ratty with their children and to be honest you know this is what they share there's obviously a lot more you know, sometimes I think and this is, again, it's not always a great sales pitch for meditation, but there's a sense that life could be a little bit more enriching or nourishing. Um, I think sometimes that guides people towards it. It's feeling that there's maybe there's just a little bit more to life than um, the to-do list. I love that. I think that's beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful way of um, advertising meditation to people. And so... What's somewhere a way for people to just start with meditation? Because I, I hear it the same, like with especially with the Nidra Yoga sleep meditation. People are like, oh, I can't, I can't sit still for that long. I can't, my mind is always thinking of things. I can't quiet my mind. So what's something people can do just to be able to start? Well, I think one of the like a definition that I might use for meditation is that it's a process of relaxing your body and calming your mind. And as I've said already, that incorporates this aspect of being more aware of both body and mind. Um, and as you'll be aware, you know, the body and mind aren't really separate things. They're kind of working together all the time. That is a helpful definition, although meditation can be defined in so many different ways. And many teachers would say something quite different to that. But it's a helpful working definition because it reminds us about the body. And so the simple thing that we could get more used to is noticing when we feel uptight, that uptightness is your body. So that kind of shifting from thinking into the body, what can I relax in my body? And that, that really could just be a very simple thing that you do on the go. So, you know, checking in with your body every now and again, and particularly when you're under stress and just inviting the shoulders to drop, inviting the belly to relax, maybe taking a few deeper breaths and just giving yourself, I don't know, 10 seconds, mm. 20 seconds of that periodically throughout your day is a really easy way to start to learn how to meditate. Mm, that's beautiful. I know at the very start, maybe, gosh, I can't even think how long ago it was, maybe eight years ago, but I did have like a timer on my phone to just stop and and breathe and 
drop my shoulders and yeah mine's my jaw I would always clench my jaw so relax my jaw and um yeah and shoulders as well so definitely that's such a great and now you just reminded me of when I started what I actually did so yeah that's a great tip for people to use to to get started isn't it and just say they've moved on from that and they're doing that already what would be your sort of your next um step for them well, I think finding a, a time of day that you'd like to do a formal meditation can work for some people. Mm. And I do want to stress that everyone's a little bit different. Um, and starting small, you know, five minutes of sitting. And and actually, as I say, sitting, um, even if you're just, you can use movement too. Like if you're very fidgety and you're doing a guided meditation, you want to sway your body a bit, sway your body a bit. That's, you know, that's, that's fine if it helps you just tune in and, and be present. Um, so I would find a time of day that suits you. And for many people, that's the morning. In the morning when we first wake up, we're, the brain's operating in a really open way. Um, the brainwaves are a bit slower. We're a little bit more receptive and creative. And typically what people... Are, and myself included at times, we'll just roll over and check the phone and it's like a big jolt um, into waking up and there's like lists of things to do. And, and we may find that as soon as we wake up, there's, what do I need to do? Um, so it's sometimes nice just to gift yourself five minutes or, you know, 10 minutes if you can do it, five minutes. Um, you can sit up in bed or find a space in your home that feels a little bit special um, that you can just take that time um, and just start small. Uh, so breathing is probably the most well-known meditation technique, um, but actually just sitting with yourself for five minutes and allowing your body to soften and paying a little more attention to what's happening inside yourself. Um, that could be a great way to sort of go into a more a formal practice. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for those two tips. I know that you've been sharing a lot about uh, being kinder to ourselves and self-compassion and you are coming on the retreat, which I'm very excited about to have you there to share your knowledge with the women who are coming. So what are some ways that we can be kinder to ourselves? Well, there's a, there's a part of many of us that's just a bit harsh on us. <laughs> and again, this tends to happen when the body's really rattled. So if you're feeling emotional, if you're, um, you're under a lot of stress or something difficult's happened, you may notice that there's a voice that we sometimes call the inner critic that arises to kind of tell us basically if we weren't such a bad person, this wouldn't be happening. And we may find that we're talking to ourselves in ways that we would never dream of talking to somebody that we cared about, or maybe even somebody we didn't care about. Um, so being kind to ourselves, uh, you know, part of it is this, how can I be kind to my body? So a very simple way of doing that might be placing your hands on your heart or just holding the body. And you, people do this naturally. People do it when they're stressed. They might squeeze the shoulders, um, squeeze the shoulders, squeeze the elbows or place their hands somewhere. But with self-compassion, perhaps we're just doing that a little bit more mindfully and purposefully. So placing the hands somewhere is a kind gesture. As you're breathing, breathing 
slowly and softly, again, as a, a way to sort of settle your system. And really meditation is a process of self-compassion. But with, with self-compassion practice, we realize that we're not just aware of these things objectively. There is an experiencer as in ourselves that is experiencing that those horrible thoughts and that horrible feeling. And so we're just kind of offering ourselves this warm touch and soft breath and maybe even kind words, you know, may I be kind to myself in this moment and just repeating something that feels um, kind of soothing and, and kind when we, we're going through something difficult. And now I appreciate that these suggestions might seem a little bit frivolous or light, but it's so different from how we just keep going. Mm. And we've got this voice that's semi, we're semi-conscious of it. I mean, we may not even be conscious of it. And so in a sense, with mindfulness of becoming more aware of it, um, that in itself begins to discharge the potency of what it, 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 the experience that we're having. Um, so it, it's just being, a, you know, these concepts of being kind are just ways of bringing this more into the forefront and more as an intention, mm. you know, that I, I don't want to treat myself like this anymore. I, I don't need to. Yeah. I, I think, though, maybe even, you know, five or six years ago, it may have sounded like, yeah, that's that sounds great, but I'm not going to do that. But whereas I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just the people that I'm around, but I feel like even some of the practitioners like psychologists and speech therapists and OTs and those sort of people are also embracing the self-compassion and around the parenting part of it as well. And def- I don't know, do you think that that has changed? Have you seen it being sort of a little bit more widespread and not or am I just attracting the people who, who actually <laughs> like that? Maybe you might, you might be, but I think we are hearing more about yeah. it. There's a lot more research going into mm. you know the actual um, tangible benefits of practicing self-compassion. Um, we have lived in a very achievement-focused culture for a long time, so there's been a bit of a fear of if I'm too nice to myself, am I not mm. going to reach my goals, or am I, you know, am I going to wallow in self-pity? And there's sometimes a, a misconception that being self-compassionate is actually pitying oneself, but uh, I think that's changing. I think mm. we realise there's just an actual genuine necessity for it. Yeah, just the research. Actually, I'm sure there's more research around it. So how how important it is and how much it makes a difference to our inner critic. Um, oh, Beth, thank you so much for all of those tips that you've shared and your knowledge and your stories as well. How can people connect with you or find you? Because you do uh, do some online too, don't you? Like I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. Um, I'm still running the self-compassion course online. Um, so you can find me at geelongmeditationcentre.com.au. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as Geelong Meditation Centre and also on Facebook. Yeah, and I'll definitely put all those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time, Beth. You're welcome. Thanks for having okay. me. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you'd like to reduce your stress, improve your mood and support your immune system, then join me for an introduction to yin and nidra yoga. Over five short 10-minute online lessons, you'll start to feel calmer and more rested. Head to simplyhappy.com.au in the resources section and start today. Mm -hmm.